0: Pink Flamingo's Haunted UK podcast is recorded and presented in stereo. Listening to it through an environment such as headphones is highly recommended. Pink Flamingo's Haunted UK podcast is proudly sponsored by CDS Print and Design. For printed t-shirts, hoodies, canvases, coasters, placemats, stickers, banners, signage and much much more, contact Colin or Debbie at CDS Print and Design through Facebook. Instagram, or email at cdsprintanddesign at gmail.com. With high quality products at competitive prices, what have you got to lose? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. We're currently asking you, the listeners, for your ghost stories and paranormal experiences for a set of listener episodes. Wherever you live in the world, if you've had an experience then please email the show with full details of your story to hauntedukpodcast at hotmail.com. The only way that I can describe living here nowadays is if I could put you in the position of walking into a really busy pub or restaurant in town, seeing everybody eating, drinking, talking, And you walking into that room and seeing every single person stopping, eating, drinking and talking and just staring at you. That would be a really uncomfortable feeling. And this is what I get. Odd nights will walk in here and go, wow. And it's a little tap on the shoulder to remind you that you're not on your own. And it's not yours. Those are the nights when things tend to happen. Quote from Chris Tuckett. Property Manager. Welcome to Pink Flamingo's Haunted UK Podcast. This is episode 5 of Pink Flamingo's Haunted UK podcast. And this week, we'll be telling spooky tales from Mitchell and Priory. This beautiful T-shaped stone-built priory has a long and chequered history. It dates back as far as 1229 when the Augustinian Priory of the Holy Trinity was formed by Gilbert Aguila. It was seized in 1537 by Henry VIII during the dissolution of the monasteries and passed on to Thomas Cromwell. Following Cromwell's execution in 1540, it was then taken over by Anne of Cleves, the fourth wife of Henry VIII. Interestingly, It was used by Canadian troops as a base for training for Operation Jubilee during the winter of 1941 to 1942. This was an Allied amphibious attack which took place on a French beach on the Western Front with over 6,000 troops, tanks and RAF support all involved. The property changed hands again in 1958 when Mrs R. H. Hotblack brought the Priory with the view of preserving it for many generations to come. It was put into trust and given to the Sussex Archaeological Society, who still take care of it today. The Priory and its buildings are now classed as both Grade 1 and Grade 2 listed. Mitchell and Priory's haunted history is long and varied. Many paranormal investigators, ghost hunters and psychics have had strange and sometimes very frightening experiences. But the main stories which we'll explore during this episode will mainly deal with the property managers who have lived and worked there and the investigators who have been brave enough to stay for overnight vigils. Chris Tuckett never imagined that his time at Mitchell Priory could have taken him to the extremes of terror that it did. But this was exactly what happened. He'd been working on building sites for a while but was looking for a more stable career that could also give him a change of surroundings. Upon visiting the Priory for the first time, Chris was completely awestruck by its imposing beauty. Nestled deep within the Sussex countryside, the views were also outstanding. This was exactly the opportunity that he'd been looking for. The job as property manager gave Chris the opportunity to actually live in the Priory. So he chose a flat near to the top of the house to be his living quarters. With it being unfurnished, he felt that he could begin to put his own mark on the space by bringing in his own belongings. But whatever it was that was lurking around the grounds and inside the property, it didn't share Chris's enthusiasm. A strange dark atmosphere began to make its presence known and felt, stretching to every corner of every room in the house. This invisible force would follow Chris around and would become heavier and more intense whenever the new property manager would make changes to his living space. Although this feeling was becoming more and more noticeable over time, the first major paranormal incident occurred while Chris was alone in the house after locking up for the night. He had a routine of going around the entire property, checking and locking all doors and windows in a sequence, and then setting the complex alarm systems which helped to protect this historic house from intruders. After getting confirmation through the alarm system that all sensors were switched on and monitoring, Chris began to climb the stairs and head towards his flat at the top of the house. As he was making his way up the staircase, he heard the voice of a woman, quiet at first, but then steadily getting louder. Whoever this woman was, she was crying and it was extremely clear. Chris went back downstairs to where he thought the sound was coming from and was fully expecting to see a visitor from earlier in the day who may have gotten lost and then inadvertently locked in. But how did he miss her when he was locking up and setting the alarms? No sooner had he got to the source of the noise, it would move and then begin again, In another room. This went on and on. Practically dragging Chris to every single room in the house to check. But he could never track it down. Back in his flat, he tried to compose himself and make sense of what he had just witnessed. But this was only the beginning. Over the next two weeks, things became worse. The woman would continue to cry for hours. Keeping him awake until the early hours of the morning the dark, invisible atmospheric force became even more intense, and would make its presence known in incredible ways. Chris would describe this force, or entity, as having the power to engulf the entire house, to be able to move around the property at will, and become louder and stronger. Sounding like a demonic mixture of tortured souls rampaging around the house Chris felt that whatever this was, it wanted him out. For good. It would roam around the dark corridors at night, creaking the floorboards, rattling door handles, walking up and down the stairs, making his life a complete misery. He would freely admit that many times he was completely terrified, and felt that he was way out of his depth. He would often sit in his bedroom with his head in his hands, begging for whatever this force was to stop and leave him alone. Late one evening, after settling down in bed, Chris heard a scraping noise coming from his living room. The scraping turned into bumps and bangs, as if someone was moving furniture around. Composing himself, he opened the door to his living room and saw that his solid wood writing bureau had been moved around three feet from the wall where it used to be. Looking down at the floor, Chris noticed scratch marks where the Bureau's legs had dug into the floorboards. Not only had it been moved from the wall, but the scratch marks showed that it had also been turned and moved in almost a figure of eight pattern. This was now all that Chris could take, and he seriously contemplated packing up and leaving that very evening. In a last-ditch attempt to try and make peace with whatever was the main cause of these paranormal phenomena, Chris found himself sitting on the main staircase and pleading with the entities of the house to stop and to leave him alone. He, in his own words, quote, "...had a conversation with the house," end quote, and tried to reassure it that he was there as a person whose duty it was, was to care for the Priory and not to make any changes to it whatsoever." All of these events had taken place inside the time frame of just two weeks. This desperate measure seemed to work and, as of that night, whatever still roams the house has reduced its activities when Chris is around. But he wasn't the only property manager to have had difficulties with malicious entities. The previous manager, Fred Overty, recalls one particular night when the terrifying dark atmosphere shocked him to his core. He remembers that outside, the evening was calm and beautiful, but then suddenly, a huge roaring sound began, so loud that Fred compared it to a train passing right outside. He quickly made his way over to a window to see what was happening and to see if he could make out where the noise was coming from. Within a split second, Fred commented that this invisible force had made its way into the house and it sounded like it was blasting its way through every room until it had finally made its way to his flat. As this strange phenomenon went through his flat and back outside, Fred recalled that it was gone just as quickly as it came, never actually showing itself, but always letting you know where it was. According to Fred, during his time at Mitchell Priory, The house was always in complete control and command of everything and anyone. With over 700 years of history, some of this extremely violent, it is Fred's unshakable belief that something haunts the priory. Whether that is one single entity or more, he doesn't know. But he does know that he has had first hand experience with this spirit. Chris Tuckett's experiences, although now quieter, Haven't completely stopped. As if the Priory was making a statement to him, it threw him one more curveball. After locking up and securing the building, Chris began to walk up the staircase when he was stopped in his tracks by the vision of a man in black with dark grey hair walking down the stairs towards him. This man looked incredibly real and solid, but just vanished as quickly as it had appeared. Panicking, Chris ran up the rest of the stairs to his flat where his partner was asleep. As he opened his front door, his partner was coming out of the bedroom in floods of tears. She had woke up to find the same man standing over her clutching a bunch of lavender. Two people, in separate areas, witnessing the same spirit. It's not just this malicious entity that haunts Mitchell Priory. The house and its grounds has a variety of ghosts and spirits, including a grey lady, a couple in Tudor clothing, a figure in a black hooded robe, and a young girl in a worn ragged dress. The other spirit is said to be that of Tom Sackville, who owned the Priory many years ago. It's this spirit that is thought to be the terrifying dark atmosphere that so many people have felt and heard. During one investigation, organised by Sussex Darkside in 2011, a man who was taking part in the event with his partner had an experience which he never even mentioned until after the investigation was over. A tour guide for the evening's events had reached the kitchen of the Priory and was giving a talk about the history and the ghost of a cook who haunted that particular room. As the group were listening to the guide, The man who was standing next to his partner noticed a black-robed figure standing in an alcove behind a wooden dresser. Thinking that this figure was part of the experience, the man didn't even mention it, but continued to watch the figure as it stood motionless, even as they walked past it and left the room. After the investigation and walk was over, the man mentioned his sighting to his partner, and also asked the tour organisers who was the man in the black robe costume in the kitchen? None of them had any idea who the figure was, or why he was even there. But also, nobody else saw it. The group immediately went back into the kitchen, but the figure was nowhere to be seen. Could this have been the ghost of a long-dead monk? One of the official guides of the Priory, Roy La has had a number of amazing encounters with some of the ghosts and spirits which haunt the house. In one startling experience, Roy was in the prior's room, which is said to be one of the most haunted locations in Michelin Priory. As he entered the room, he found himself in the company of a young girl who was standing in a far corner. She appeared to be aged between six and ten years old. As Roy approached her, She stopped him by asking him not to come any closer to her. Roy spoke back to her by saying that he respected her wishes and would do as she asks. She then thanked him and said that they will meet up again very soon. She then disappeared, leaving Roy alone in the room. It appears that this girl could have been a resident of the house in around the 1880s, and there is a story that revolves around the spirit of Tom Sackville And this young girl. The girl's life was not a pleasurable one, and legend has it that she was constantly tormented and teased by Sackville, something that he took great pleasure in doing to her. Another one of Roy's sightings was of a cook who was in the kitchen in the very early hours one night. Roy had gone into the kitchen at around 2 am and was met with the sight of a cook who was tending to a large piece of meat which he was cooking on the spit. Roy described the man as being very large, broad-shouldered, and strong-looking. He was carving away the bad parts of the meat with a large knife, when Roy started a conversation with him. The cook commented that the easiest job in the kitchen for him was cooking eels as he could do them very quickly with little effort. It's estimated that this ghost originates from around the same time as the young girl. Paranormal researchers and ghost hunters who have stayed at the Priory have also had their fair share of experiences. One researcher in particular, Clint Davey, has witnessed firsthand some of the strange goings-on at Michelin. During one investigation, the team had decided to set up their equipment at the gatehouse. This area holds a strong story of a grey lady who can often be seen staring into the moat. Legend has it, ...that she had lost her daughter, either to drowning or to some other incident... ...and because of her grief, she decided to kill her dog and then herself. It is thought that the Grey Lady could be a matron or a governess. Both had a history at the Priory, and both shared a similar time period, the late 1800s. So, going back to the story... Clint volunteered to go back to the house to pick up a piece of equipment that had been left there in error. Whilst the rest of the group continued to set up at the gatehouse, Clint made it back to the house and retrieved the bit of kit and started to walk back to the gatehouse. It was beginning to get dark, and as Clint was making his way back, he heard the sound of a dog barking. The sound was coming towards him, but he couldn't see any dog at all. Getting a little panicked, he began to run. But the dog's barking kept up with him, and it was in fact starting to get very close. As Clint got to the gatehouse, the barking stopped. But he relayed the story to his colleagues, who initially thought he was joking around. Afterwards, they all found it a little bit amusing, knowing that he was running away from a dog that wasn't even there. It also turned out that no member of staff at the Priory owned a dog, Was this the ghostly dog of the woman who committed suicide? It also seemed strange that the moment the barking stopped... ...was when Clint had made it back to the gatehouse... ...where the moat was located. The site of the suicide. On another occasion, the group had decided to set up in the music room. Four of the team, including Clint... ...had made their way to a spot which they felt comfortable with... ...and with the night being a full moon the shadows of the arched windows were being cast against the fireplace opposite their position. With the lights dimmed, two of the group of four saw what looked like the shadow of a figure moving across the fireplace from the outside. Upon inspection, no members of the group had been outdoors at the time of the incident. Again, in the music room, but on a separate investigation the team were taking it in turns to film for approximately an hour each. A female member of the team, who had been filming for approximately 20 minutes, suddenly stopped, put the lens cap back on the camera, and announced that everyone had to get out of the room straight away. With the entire group spooked, they all left the room and after a while, the team member made a sketch of a face that she said was very close to her as she was filming. She couldn't see anything from the chest down, but was positive that the spirit was wearing a brown military uniform. Was this the ghost of one of the Canadian soldiers who was stationed at the Priory in the 1940s? One of the many TV programs to have filmed in Mitchell Priory was Most Haunted. They filmed their very first episode there, and had such amazing results that they vowed to return in the future. Fast forward 99 episodes and they decided to go back for their centenary. Even before the show officially began, Yvette Fielding and her husband Carl went to the Priory the night before filming began to see if they were brave enough to stay the night on their own. After hearing a number of noises, Carl asked whatever it was to make one more noise. Straight away, another noise from the room that they were in sent them both running out of the house and back to their car. In the first episode, two of the team witnessed a figure that was in the fireplace. Both described the same thing, but the confusing aspect of this sighting was why was the figure in the fireplace at all? It turned out that behind the fireplace was a priest hole, which was used hundreds of years earlier when the Augustinian monks inhabited the priory. Back to the centenary episode, and after setting up, Yvette and parapsychologist Kieran O'Keefe began a conversation about what could possibly be in store for them that evening, when a noise interrupted them. It sounded like something was knocking on the wood panelling inside the room. They began again, only to have the same thing happen again for a second time. The spirits were definitely out in force, and it was going to get way more intense. Moving on to the entrance hall, and the team were again interrupted by a groan from an unseen source. But it was when filming moved to the first floor dressing room that things got really strange. Whilst listening to psychic David Wells allegedly seeing a woman run into a dressing room and hearing a baby crying, the team were again stopped dead in their tracks by the sound of the harpsichord playing downstairs in the music room. All cast and crew quickly made their way to the music room to find it empty and in silence. All members of the Most Haunted team gave assurances that nobody was downstairs when the harpsichord was playing. The music room continued to deliver paranormal activity, with one of the camera crew complaining that something had pushed, what he felt like, a pin into his back. Upon inspection, there was no evidence of any injury to the cameraman, so... After the team were all happy to continue, they moved on to the kitchen. Again, just as psychic David Wells began a reading, the same cameraman cried out in pain, dropped the camera on the table and said that something had attacked his back for the second time. On this occasion, there was a physical injury in the form of a long scratch which drew blood. Other incidents continued to occur including more noises from disembodied sources, a chair apparently moving on its own and temperature fluctuations which were recorded and logged. As with all allegedly haunted locations, we do have to take into consideration preconceived feelings and ideas of what may happen. These notions can lead to all sorts of events being played through the human mind and then being projected back into the environment in the form of noises which are completely natural. But the sheer amount of incidents which happen at Mitchell and Priory surely makes this location one of, if not an excellent contender to be, the most haunted place in the UK. So if you're looking for something to do one day, and want to visit a truly beautiful, historic and awe-inspiring house then why not take a drive out to Mitchell Priory? But be sure to always keep your wits about you, because the next person who could see one of its many ghosts could be you. Well, we've come to the end of the fifth episode of Pink Flamingo's Haunted UK podcast. But before I go, I'd just like to make a few announcements. First off, thank you to all of you who have listened. And if you've enjoyed the show, then please leave a five-star review. This will help the show tremendously. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and Radio Public. Secondly, I'd like to give a shout-out to the show's sponsor, CDS Print and Design. Thank you so much to Colin and Debbie. Thank you for your support. Thirdly, I'd like to give a shout-out to a few podcasts which, if you're struggling to find interesting material to listen to, these will definitely quench your thirst. Wherever you download your podcasts from, try searching for the following. Astonishing Legends The Strange Sessions Haunted Housewives The Mystery of Life Podcast The Salty Speculation Podcast Killing, Missing, Hidden the Pineapple Pizza Podcast, podcasts from Fall and Scholar Productions, and from the Parcast Network, who are now exclusively only on Spotify, Unexplained Mysteries, Conspiracy Theories, Gone, and Extraterrestrial. Next, if you've experienced a paranormal event at Michelin Priory, or, for that matter, anywhere in the world, then please email the show at hauntedukpodcast at hotmail.com. That's hauntedukpodcast at hotmail.com with full details of your encounter and I will try my best to read out as many listener stories as possible in dedicated listener episodes. I would genuinely love to hear from you. So please, get in touch. Last of all, if you have a podcast that you need mixing or if you need original music writing for your podcast, then please get in touch via email to pinkflamingo.musicproductions at hotmail.com. That's pinkflamingo.musicproductions at hotmail.com. This podcast was recorded at Pink Flamingo Music Production Studio in Hales Owen in the West Midlands, England. For a full list of research sources that helped immensely with the content of this episode, please refer to the show's notes. Thank you all so much again for listening, and we'll be back very soon with another episode. Until then, stay safe and take care.